Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself. Broaden your mind. Open your heart and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So happy to have you here today. I'm excited about the depth of topic that we're going to go into today. I think it should be juicy. One thing that I know for sure in my own experience, particularly the last seven-year cycle that I have encountered, shadow work is integral to us. And while we're going through this period of stay at home, so many individuals might be encountering their shadow or the shadows of others. We certainly do see it playing out oftentimes on the news, in the media, uh, in our communities, in our relationships. And the shadow is something that we don't often realize that is expressing because we can't often see our shadows. But when we're willing to dive deeply into them and embrace them and get to know them and really bring them back into our own integration of our embodiment within our body as well as the seeing, hearing, and acknowledging of that aspect of ourselves, we can befriend our shadow. We can allow the shadow to be utilized in a completely different way. And in fact, you will find that your brightest light comes from going through your shadow. My guest today is Robert Augustus Masters, and he has written amazing books, numerous books that really dive deeply into what it means to go into personal growth, spirituality, and deeply within the psyche. 1111 stands for the pillars, the gateways that we are to walk through, the spiritual, the emotional, the mental, and the physical that we are here to master. And behind each one of those ones is a shadow that we are here to encounter. Robert says that our shadow is our internal storehouse for the parts of us we've disowned or rejected or are otherwise keeping in the dark. The more unaware we are of them, the more they influence and control us. And the shadow can come from many different aspects and have many different expressions. Robert Augustus Masters is a relationship expert, integral psychotherapist, and psychospiritual guide with a doctorate in psychology. He's the author of many books, including Transformation Through Intimacy, Spiritual Bypassing, Emotional Intimacy, How to Be a Man, and Bringing Your Shadow Out of the Dark. We're actually going to be doing a two-part series with Robert because his work is so in-depth and so rich for right now, particularly these times, and rich for your own personal growth and expansion. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome Robert Masters to 1111. Welcome, Robert. Thank you. It is a pleasure to have you here, and you certainly do have a wealth and a breadth of information that you share through your many different books. And on this particular segment show, we are going to be discussing two of your books, Bringing Your Shadow Out of the Dark, as well as To Be a Man. Uh, And we're going to start off first with that shadow uh, book, because it is so powerful right now, especially for each of us to more deeply get to know who we are. And that means really understanding how we're operating and discovering that the shadow is really operating a lot of our lives for us without us knowing it. Talk a little bit about why you feel, particularly at this time uh, in our history, that the shadow work is so critical. Well, in short, it'd be, I would say it's so critical because without knowing our shadow and being relatively intimate with what's in our shadow, what's in there will run us from behind the scenes. It will operate us. We will think we have free will. We're making conscious choices. But in fact, we're being operated from behind the scenes, so to speak, by what's in our shadow. Once we know what's there, and we know it more than intellectually, we really get it. And we start to work with it, which means going toward it, getting to know it, becoming intimate with all the elements in the shadow. We're not free of shadow in the conventional sense, but we're no longer run by it because we now know what's in there. And we become more and more skilled at learning how to work with what's there. We may still get reactive, for example, in a a hassle with a partner and be kind of possessed by our emotional state or mental state. But once we know more about our shadow, we can name it quickly. We can notice when we're being reactive. We can notice when a younger part of us is taking over or when a critic has us by the throat and the ear. 
etc. Once we know that, it's a never-ending journey, but once we know it, we start to move toward those elements, those things we've disowned, pushed aside in ourselves, and slowly but surely they cease running us. And there's an enormous freedom in that. And the thing is, shadow work is not a, a glamorous undertaking of, you know, a quick weekend and suddenly you, you, you know it. You can't market it as something that's going to make you feel good. You have to turn toward what's difficult, painful, uncomfortable in yourself to do it. The rewards are immense, but there has to be a, a fair modicum of courage in the beginning and throughout because there's a natural sense in us of pulling away from what's painful, avoiding it, not becoming intimate with it. So the first step in real shadow work is to start to turn toward what's bothering us, what's hurting us, what's bringing us pain, slowly but surely turning in that direction. You know, for so long, uh, a lot of the, the ego was, was something that, that people wanted to kill off or get rid of. And in and, and often cases, shadow work is like that. People think we're here to get rid of the shadow, that we're here to uh, kind of disintegrate that part of us. But that's not actually what we're supposed no, to that, do. There is more of an absorption that's supposed to take yeah, place. And that, what you're describing is spiritual ambition. Wanting to be free of our suffering, no longer be hurting. There's a, uh, it's such a seductive um, thing in many people's spiritual life that I could, if I do enough work in myself, become more enlightened, I won't have to feel any of this. The thing is, what I found is one matures, one becomes even more sensitive. You hurt more, but it matters less. Because you're on track. You're no longer trying to get away from your pain or your difficulties or your aging or your aches and pains. You're befriending them in a very deep sense. And you can't do that if you're trying to get away from these things in us. What I discovered with my own shadow work was that I was, I was a human being. I was really very much a human doing, but not until... I truly embraced and dove into all of the depths of the shadow work did I discover what real humanity was. And I think that's a a critical piece right now because so often people are so focused on saving humanity from an external standpoint of everything out there that they really negate and forget that first they have to tap into their own humanity internally the shadow is crucial to that talk a little bit about the relationship between the shadow and humanity well knowing your shadow deepens your humanity because you're including more of yourself in your being in the circle of your being you're no longer operating as if these different parts of you are not worthy of attention love or care so you're doing shadow work deeply deeply you'll find that your compassion capacity for compassion also deepens because you sense intuitively everyone has shadow. No one was without shadow. It doesn't go away. We don't get rid of it. We transform our relationship to it. It's the same as when many spiritual paths bemoan the presence of anger. Like anger shouldn't be there. It's not spiritual. It's not wholesome. And people that buy into that are then going to leave out a major part of their emotional life. It was as if it doesn't belong with them as they evolve. When in fact, your capacity for anger persists as you evolve but you become more and more skilled at handling it in a way that doesn't do harm. It doesn't turn anger into aggression, in other words. It keeps you, keeps you healthy that way and allows you to stay emotionally alive and juicy, not to be dried up in some uh, semi-enlightened or pseudo-enlightened bubble. You're in humanity in the midst of it. You feel it. And I think the times we're in now are asking for us to have even more compassion for each other, to use our, our time of difficulty here, if it is difficult for, for many, to use that time to increase one's um, intimacy with others, compassion, and and turning toward especially the fearfulness that I see is, that also is pandemic right now, and working with the fear. Fear is not an easy thing to work with, but it is. it can be worked with. It does not have to run us, but it will if we keep most of it in our shadow. You wrote a book um, that has to do with spiritual bypassing. And I know that when you mentioned spirituality before, one of the greatest issues that I feel needs to be brought to light at this time does have to do with light workers and those that are more inclined to, quote unquote, being the spiritual among us. 
because oftentimes those are the ones that want to feel like they've already completed all of their work. They've already done all of it. And the one thing that I realized um, as I've just gone through a very intense seven-year cycle, when I encountered some situations, I knew for me to have created that in my life, there has to be something more to look at that I could not have possibly gotten to the depths of everything, that there were some subtleties that were completely missing. And I chose to deeply dive into the unconscious and the shadow and stay there until it told me to get up. And that brought forward a lot of what you talked about, the grief, the anger, the emotions, the things that we have to encounter. When people want to escape all of that and they don't sit in it, what actually takes place there if they only go partially in and not all the way? They remain partial. They're not whole. They've they've neglected a certain major part of themselves from the investigations that makes spiritual life a reality, a deep reality. Spiritual bypassing simply means... Uh, using spiritual practices and beliefs to avoid feeling things that are difficult to feel, relationship hassles, developmental tasks. I call it dissociation and holy drag. And dissociation and holy drag is still dissociation, is still a, a, a trying to get away from something, which is fundamentally is pain. And there's a counter, and to turn toward our pain may feel counterintuitive, but it's such a powerful step in our growth not just spiritually, but in every way, psychologically, emotionally, psychically, socially, etc. Turning toward is seems unnatural at first, but once you do it for a while, it becomes second nature. You're in a relationship difficulty, a challenge. Instead of turning away from the pain that's arising or making the other person wrong or getting defensive, you wake up and you can name what's going on. You can say, ah, I'm being defensive, being reactive. There's a certain joy, a sobering joy that arises when you've passed the, through the honeymoon stage of this, where you've gotten more used to it, where it becomes feels so right to turn toward whatever it is you don't want to face and choose to become more intimate with it. You get to know it better. You don't just say, oh, I'm scared, and that's enough. And this fear, you understand fear more. You sense its texture, its coloring, its shaping, its origins, its, its the patterns you have for handling it. And you do this without shame after all. You're not putting yourself down for still having these nasty feelings. Instead, you're, you're approaching them with compassion and care. And at the end of that, you may still feel the fear you did an hour ago, but it doesn't have you in its grip. In fact, it can mutate more easily into life excitement, excitation, maybe some anger, maybe some joy. But you're not paralyzed anymore by its presence. And that's a huge liberating thing to engage in. Now, you've brought up some of the pieces and parts of how our shadow can appear. You've talked about fear a little bit and anger. You even mentioned shame just now. What are some of the the ways that that we may express our shadow? Well, projection is probably the best known one where we, just, we project onto others uh, qualities in ourselves we don't like or are afraid to face. So it's them that has the problem. In other words, you have the anger. You have this. You have that. I don't. That's the that's the illusion that gets presented. When we wake up in, in the midst of shadow work, we see our capacity for projection more clearly, and and we become more transparent, more willing to be our own whistleblower. And that's a big thing. And in regard to the shadow, it's not only the things like fear, anger, and shame. Uh, or the inner child that's that's been suppressed, or the, the grief. But you also write that our bigness and our beauty can also become a shadow. Yes, whatever we had to push aside when we were children so we could survive, we did. We push it aside, and some of that included our, our bigness, our beauty, our true size, our gifts, our joy. If it wasn't accepted or was even shunned or made wrong in our childhood environment, well, we go along with that. We put those things in our shadow we don't know we're doing that of course it's an automatic process and we reach adulthood we're carrying all these things around that we've decided weren't worthy of being out front that had to be kept hidden kept in the dark and without shadow work those things simply stay in the dark and operate us without us knowing it 
The more that we ignore our shadow, both personally and collectively, the more it dominates and operates us with disastrous consequences. Our increasingly perilous times call for us to wake up to our shadow, to face and know our shadow very well, to work with it in enough depth so that it can no longer run us. Staying oblivious to our shadow, as is especially common in political and corporate arenas, simply reinforces our dysfunction, regardless of our achievements. This is from Robert Augustus Masters. Uh, book, Bringing Your Shadow Out of the Dark. The book has four parts. Part one is about getting acquainted with your shadow, understanding your conditioning, exploring the relationship between your shadow and your key emotions, and considering matters that are packed with their own shadow material. Part two is about practicing the working of your shadow. The material there includes not just ways of bringing the shadow out of the dark, but also deep diving investigations of how to work with your inner child, inner critic, and inner saboteur. And then part three focuses on how to face, feel, and work with your pain, because your pain and your shadow are so intimately connected. What's in your shadow is there because it was painful enough to warrant being pushed away, hidden out of sight, so that it didn't so obviously hurt. Uh, It's a very, very powerful book, and I invite you to find out more about Robert Masters at robertmasters.com. You'll find out that he has multiple other books, such as To Be a Man, Spiritual Bypassing, Emotional Intimacy, Transformation Through Intimacy, and his latest, Bringing Your Shadow Out of the Dark. In addition, I'd like to offer... uh, some information about one of our sponsors. Faithful Counseling is a team of licensed Christian counselors who share your faith and who would help you run through your problems. You can begin a conversation when you're ready by text or phone or even secure video conferencing from the comfort of your own home. Faithful Counselors share your faith and Christian values and are professionals with experience to help you with your issues. They are not a crisis line. There are 1,000-plus U.S. licensed therapists across the 50 states. They are available worldwide, and they can be contacted via text, chat, phone, or video. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. You can schedule a video or phone session weekly unless your therapist schedules more, and it's easy to change counselors. They're secure, convenient, professional, and affordable. You can get 10% off your first month with the discount code 11 Go to faithfulcounseling.com forward slash 11 and receive 10% off your first month. Simply fill out the questionnaire to help them access your needs and get matched with the counselor you'll love. That's faithfulcounseling.com forward slash 11. We'll be right back with my guest, Dr. Robert Augustus Masters, right after these messages. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Do you want more, more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships, more empowered community, greater fulfillment and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. 
courses.1111mag.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Jess has a habit of getting aggressively defensive when challenged about seemingly minor things. Yesterday, her father questioned her about her son's schooling, and she once again reacted strongly. It's even worse with her husband. He's learned to approach her tentatively, as if expecting to be attacked and rejected, and this drives her crazy. Joe is a quintessential nice guy, whose wife and boss frequently overpower him. No matter how hard he tries to please them, he ends up feeling small and diminished. His wife wants him to be more emotionally open with her. He tries, but it never seems to be enough for her. She's clearly unhappy with him, and he's desperate for things to be different. Alan gets very stiff and uncomfortable in the presence of expressed sadness, be it his or that of others. It doesn't matter what it's over. His mother is dying, and he tries to keep the little time he spends with her as emotionally flat as possible. He hasn't cried for a long, long time. And Catherine is magnetically drawn to emotionally distant men. She knows this, but can't seem to resist the pull. She's trying to get her current partner, who tends toward emotional numbness, to go to couples counseling with her, but he refuses. She doesn't realize it yet, but she's having a relationship not so much with him as with his potential. What do Jess, Joe, Alan, and Catherine have in common? They're all being driven by their shadow. This is part of Dr. Robert Augustus Masters' book, Bring Your Shadow Out of the Dark, Breaking Free from the Hidden Forces that Drive You. He's an author of multiple books, including Transformation Through Intimacy, Emotional Intimacy, Spiritual Bypassing, and To Be a Man. You can find out more at his website, robertmasters.com. He does do group work as well as couples counseling, and you can contact him personally through the website for individual counseling as well. Welcome back, Robert. Um, You were talking a little bit about anger and about aggression in the last segment, and it seems like there's a fine line as to one being the shadow and one being something internal and then the other one really exploding uh, in a whole different way externally. And I know in doing my own shadow work, the deeper that you go, you start to discover not just your humanity, but you also start to discover the monster within, the animal within, the parts of us within that truly we could imagine never could have possibly existed inside. Talk about the distinction between anger and aggression or any emotion and the 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 other side that could could be like aggression would be very outward focused well first of all anger and aggression can look very similar and and so if i'm really angry at you we're friends if i'm aggressive i'm probably red-faced i'm fiery i'm passionate i don't care about you i'm here to take you down to make you wrong i'm on the attack and the attack can be done with a smile it can be done with a um explosive anger there's a lot of ways it could be done but it is it is an attack aggression is an attack healthy anger doesn't attack though healthy anger is vulnerable it has some degree of heart so if i'm really angry at you and i'm in a state of healthy anger i may be loud i could be fiery i'm passionate but i haven't forgotten i care about you which means that you're going to feel safer with me than you would if i was simply being aggressive because even though my anger may, may shake you up a little bit it's not dangerous. It's just intense. And many of us, like the example you gave this guy, his name was Joe, many men will get caught in the nice guy mode and will have their most of their angers in their shadow because they associate anger from their childhood with the loss of love, uh, pain, danger. So their vow internally is to not show anger. It's not safe. And, and if I'm working with someone who's in that position, is stuck in that way, I'm going to slowly but surely pull their anger out of them, invite them, invite it forth, so they learn what it's like to feel really angry, express it without any sense of uh, injury being delivered. And, and when someone is really explosive with their anger, 
Yeah, it's out of their shadow in a certain way, but the roots of it are in their shadow. They haven't really looked at, the, at what caused their anger to go in that direction in the first place. Once they see that and work with it, then they have a, the chance, the opportunity to shift from unhealthy anger expression to something that's healthy and is not repressed. See, the goal isn't repression, it's healthy expression and having options. If you're really angry suddenly, if you haven't worked in yourself, don't know your shadow, you'll probably have just one way of dealing with it. Once and you know your shadow more, then when you get angry, you have options. You might have, you can keep it in if you have to, let it circulate through your body. You can express it appropriately. You can get loud if you need to. But you are you are in charge. You're not being run by it. So so state that one more time. So healthy anger would look like what? Vulnerable. Um, passionate. The fire is alive, but the fire is not just all heat. It also is light, which is a beautiful thing. It's, it helps illuminate things that are going on. It can help cut through relational deadwood. So you're vulnerable. You're there's a passion. You're grounded, and you don't forget that you care about the other. Your heart has some degree of opening. It may be shut quite a bit, but it's not shut fully. And you stay vulnerable. In aggression, there's no vulnerability. There's almost there's a wall against it. And underneath shad- underneath anger is most often sadness, deep sadness or grief. Is that is that a covering? Is anger a covering to shield us be. from what we really want to ho- uh, feel sad-wise? Yeah, but that, sometimes it isn't. Sometimes anger is the primary emotion. Like I've seen people who, who went to their tears when they were getting angry as a way of avoiding uh, exposing their anger. So the fire of the anger was being put up by the water of the tears, so to speak. Sometimes anger is, is primary. You suddenly need to say something very firmly. And it's not like you're sad underneath, and this is a way of covering it. You, anger serves a purpose. It gets the message across very quickly. So it's very important in this regard to become more emotionally literate, to know your emotions more. Of course, we weren't taught emotional literacy 101 growing up, most of us, so we have to learn this, learn the differences between different types of anger, gradations of anger, fear, shame, all the emotions, and become more a student of emotion than just simply letting it flow out of you without any awareness. That's beautiful. Emotional literacy. So that is really recognizing each emotion as distinct and and getting to know it from all sides. And also getting to know the relationship between the emotions. Like noticing, for example, excuse me, when we feel shame, our common tendency is to not stay with shame. Most of us will go very quickly to aggression, could be towards others or towards ourselves in the form of our inner critic, or we move into dissociation, separation, stonewalling. In other words, we're trying to get away from shame because it's such a squirmingly uncomfortable emotion. And yet if we sit in our shame just for 10, 15 seconds, something settles. We feel it and we feel an action arising from it because healthy shame uh, activates our conscience. And we take fitting action, make amends, do whatever we have to do. Unhealthy shame, of course, is, isn't, doesn't activate our conscience. It activates our inner critic. And then, you know, if we give free reign to our inner critic, we're taken down. We feel bad about ourselves. We decide things about ourselves that we're not worthy of this or here I go again. It's a putting down of oneself without any heart. That all can happen in just a few seconds. So, again, back to emotional literacy, uh, I see shame as the most kind of hidden or um, unknown emotion of all our emotions. It disappears so quickly into other emotions, and yet it runs us. Many of us are having an inner critic on our shoulder, giving it our ear almost all, all the time. Like it has a megaphone, and we're giving it the megaphone. And once you know you're in a critic, you've had to study your shame to get to that point. You've had to bring shame out of the shadows completely, which is uncomfortable, but after a while, it's, very, it's a relief to not be acting as if we don't have shame. Some people who are very aggressive, what's really going on, they have shame, and they have not acknowledged that. So if someone criticizes them, they, they, they instantly go into an attack, attack mode, attack the person who's dared to do this to them. We see that more in men than women, but I see it in everyone to varying degrees. 
You write that sitting in the fire of our shame brings us both dignity and humility, and it refines the warrior in us, whether we're male or female. It deepens our capacity for compassion, vulnerability, relational sanity, and joy. Yes. This shame is one of them that really deepens our empathy towards other individuals as well. How does someone really be with shame then? You said it's, it's kind of slippery or filmy, that it's, it's hard to, to sometimes hold it. it How mutates, do we really be it, with it? Yeah, it mutates very, very quickly, especially when it's intense. So first thing is to know it, understand it, read about it, get to know it intellectually. Then the next step is to start to work with it. So when shame arises, you feel that kind of uncomfortable, squirmy feeling inside and you want to break eye contact, maybe you sag a little, your head drops forward, you get to recognize the signs of shame, and you can name it. Say, here's shame. And then sit with it and keep your spine straight, because we tend to just crumble or go into a groveling position sometimes when we feel this. It's important to sit tall in it without, and stay vulnerable. You're raw. If you've done something, if you've hurt someone, you feel it more than you did before. You feel the impact you've had, maybe your unkind words have had another person when you're being overly critical of them. And you sit with it, and it takes less than a minute. I've done this to my groups many, many times with people. It starts to shift, and the compassion in, our, in us deepens. We sense what we've done, and we're not defensive anymore. We're non-defensive. That's one sign. And we reconnect with those that a few moments ago we were disconnecting from because they reminded us of our our shame. We felt bad about ourselves. So it's kind of like becoming more conscious of it. And then when that happens, you start to recognize how this showed up when you were a kid. When did shame first arise in you? In other words, one point in your life, you didn't have an inner critic. When you're very, very young, baby, an infant, a toddler, then it kicks in. And if it's not handled well, we internalize it, especially in a toxic sense. And then we grow grow up carrying this around and all the behaviors that go with it, like excessive aggression or dissociation. And the thing is, this is shadow work at its core. Because to me, shadow work isn't just a matter of considering archetypes or it's much deeper. I see our our shadow as a container for our, our unresolved, unilluminated conditioning. So it's a big thing. Trauma work you know, goes deep, always is shadow work in a sense. We're bringing into the light things that have been buried, stuck, kept in the dark for a long time. We're doing it in a skillful way, a compassionate way, but we are bringing it forward so it can be worked with. And that's why this isn't something that can be done in a weekend workshop. It's Shadow work is something that we're in it for the long haul. It's, it's life work. It's a long haul. Like I, my, my wife and I, we're super close. We've been together for 15 years. We're, we're, we don't sit down and say, let's do shadow work. It's just part of our life. It's a natural thing. And implicit in that is a mutual transparency. It's almost as if we're sitting side by side, gazing with mutual compassion upon our, our shared weaknesses, difficulties, challenges. And that's such a lovely thing to share, to, to bring that forward without being ashamed of it, to say, here it is. Here I am again, after all these years of work, here I am being reactive again. And now, what's really going on? There's a sense of mutual exploration implicit in this. So it's a lifelong process. Doesn't mean I, I'm where I think, okay, I'm doing shadow work here, there, everywhere. It's just part of living. It's part of being loving and transparent and realizing the, to me, spiritually speaking, we're on a journey of endless discovery. We're not aiming for some great realization afterwards we're completely free there's no more work to do it's just that after a while the work is no longer labor it's no longer a job it's simply living fully and transparently becoming intimate more and more intimate with all that we are all of what we are that sounds very much like its own form of meditation it sounds like a living meditation where we're very present to not just the outer world, but more so the inner world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my spiritual path, if I had to sum it up in a nutshell, is to become intimate, more and more intimate with all that I am. That includes what I don't, I wish wasn't in me, certain capacities where I don't care about people. or I, Everyone has a certain degree of violence in their shadow. Once we know these things, they're less likely to run us. 
we just recognize here we are. I'm not just this loving, wonderful person all the time. Here's these other parts of me that I'm a little like, oh, that wasn't there. But once we bring them into the light, they no longer are a problem. They're just part of us. And being intimate with all that we are doesn't have an ending. It's like one realization leads to another. The journey becomes endless discovery. And that includes death. Grief ends up being one of those places that people don't like to sit in. And there's a fine line. We can stay in grief for a very long time. Uh, or, or oftentimes we're told to get out of grief, to get yes. on with life, to get yes. going. When actually it's probably the place that opens us up in the deepest way uh, to our truth. Talk yeah. a little bit about being broken open by our grief. Well, well, it's important not to think of grief as something we have to get over. There's so much pressure on people in our culture to get over it. You've had some time. The person's been dead for a while. Move on. And that's kind of an insult to that person. If someone's very dear to you has, has, has died, you're going to always carry some pain around them. You're going to remember them. You may bring up tears. It's like a scar on the heart, but it's not a bad thing. It's a sacred wound. And and I think grief is, to me, it's the most spiritual of the emotions. Because when I feel grief deeply and give myself to it, I am made more raw. Everything is felt more easily. So I get open to the divine more easily. Everything it feels more vital. And at the same time, grief is a way of acknowledging loss at a, in a very visceral level. And we live in a grief-phobic culture. We don't want to go into it deeply. People often say, I'm being strong for the others. They're just repressing what everyone needs to express. So when grief happens, and, we're, and we know it well, it's not in our shadow at all, we don't just cry. We wail. We, we may shake. We, we get very angry. We may, we may feel incredibly connected to God for a while. In and out, all of it mixed together is a, is a chaotic flow, but it has its own natural rhythm, its own rhythm. And our work is to surrender to it when it arises. And that is not necessarily a, a tidy process. It can be very messy, but it's a bit like birth. There's a lot of fluids, there's chaos, there's a lot of sound, there's emotional wounding, screaming, joy. It's crazy, but something very beautiful happens something emerges. And when we're in grief, something can emerge too, which is our our core sense of self, which is now felt without buffers, is felt fully. And I think grief also is wonderful in that it's, if I'm feeling grief deeply, for a little while it's my grief. I'm really hurting. Someone that close to us just died or whatever. Then it's our grief. We share that. Then it becomes the grief. Everyone has grief. The planet has grief. I mean, the the human race has enormous grief that's been unexpressed. And that grief, once expressed, magically connects us. If we're grieving together over something and we're doing it fully, we're going to feel very connected. No matter what our race, age, uh, position, status, etc. is. My guest today is Robert Augustus Masters. He's a pioneer in the evolving men's movement and the author of 14 books, including Emotional Intimacy and Spiritual Bypassing. We're also discussing his book, Bringing Your Shadow Out of the Dark, today on 1111 Radio. You can find out more about him at robertmasters.com, including his group counseling, couples counseling, and individual counseling. We'll be right back after these messages. want more more joy more abundance more power and presence how would it feel to have more loving relationships more empowered community greater fulfillment and life purpose the 1111 mastermind community inspires empowers guides and supports transformation shift your mind expand your heart deepen insights let go and chart a new course dream a new dream the 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 Gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. Have you seen 1111? 
Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Before we get back to our show, I want to invite you to check out 1111 Magazine. It is always up on the website digitally, and it is always free, filled with amazing individuals across our world that are sharing their wisdom, their love, and their light. In addition, there are always intention statements, forgiveness, uh, pages, as well as prayers. So you can embark on the magazine and take with it whatever you will that supports you on your journey. In addition, the 1111 Mastermind Community of Courses is listed there along with so much more. So check out the change agents, the many authors that you can be introduced to, and an array of wisdom that will support you on your journey. In addition, I want to invite you to explore Faithful Counseling. They are a a group that is filled with wisdom and clinical expertise in mental health. Their counselors do their best to invite God into the conversation and formulate actionable plans that address the challenges that you face. The goal is to help your well-being so that you may feel mentally, emotionally, and spiritually healthy. Go to faithfulcounseling.com forward slash 11 and receive 10% off your free month. Simply fill out the questionnaire and get matched with the counselor that you'll love. That's faithfulcounseling.com forward slash 11. I will let you know it is not a crisis line. It is available worldwide. They can communicate in a number of ways just under 24 hours by text, chat, phone, or video. And financial aid is available for those who qualify. Again, get 10% off your first month with the discount code 11 at faithfulcounseling.com forward slash 11. Our shadow doesn't contain just our unpleasant or far from flattering qualities, but often also some of our finest qualities and capacities. It might seem odd that we'd conceal such things in our shadow, but we often do. One of our biggest surprises awaiting us when we explore our shadow is the possible gold that's there, the presence of the very best in us, out of sight but still intact, still ready to be mined. What's ennobling in us may be so hidden in our shadow that we all but forget it. Reducing it to a fantasy or viewing it as something that only certain esteemed others have. This is from Robert Augustus Master's book, Bringing Your Shadow Out of the Dark, Breaking Free from the Hidden Forces that Drive You. Welcome back, Robert. I do want to touch on one thing. As you were talking about grief in the last segment, you mentioned grief uh, from death or loss, but oftentimes there's there's grief that is sitting there that has built up over time or other types of experiences and being present to that grief, allowing it to flow uh, can sometimes seem overwhelming as if the tears will never stop. But if willing to go into the grief from my experience, there's a certain point where the tears are no longer ours. They all of a sudden do start to become more about ancestry or the collective or the greater world it's almost as if we've moved and transitioned from crying our own tears to crying the tears that are energetically held in the field can you speak a little bit to that 
Yeah, well, that does happen. It, it could, and it can have. I think it needs to happen more. It, it will happen more when we take our grief right to its edge. We don't just do a little bit of release, emotional release. We go right into it. And often what happens is a spontaneous connection to the collective. We're not thinking about it. We're not trying to do that because our, our heart hurts so much for what's just happened in our life. But we're suddenly plugged in where we have a sense where, in other words, we shift from me to we in a very deep sense. And and that's that's inherently liberating. And it may not feel like we're headed in that direction when we're in grief, but we are if we give ourselves to it fully. And we allow it to take all its twists and turns. Maybe times we feel like we're going kind of crazy or, or we, we start to get psychic in a very unusual way that uh, can spook us. We get very, very opened. And then we've also become more in touch with our other emotions. We feel our fear more deeply, our anger, shame, um, the whole gamut, joy. It's all there. And we also, as I mentioned earlier, I think there's an increased sense of spiritual communion and connection. Not just to an idea of God, but to the actual mystery of all of it, all that is, the inherent mystery of it. There's a sense of opening without needing to have knowledge where revelation becomes far more central than explanation and i see that in my group work a lot and people are going to the core of of their work they're doing deep deep work with wounds etc very painful things often there can be a cracking open a breaking open of the heart to something you hadn't imagined was possible it may not last very long or it could or it can be almost a permanent shift but it's possible it's possible and I've seen also, how can I put this, that breakdown often precedes breakthrough. Mm. Yes, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Let me ask you, when it comes to shadow work, is there a place where the shadow has a shadow or where shadow work can in itself become an addiction? Yes, like on anything else. Like, for example, someone could do a, um, a small group with me, can introduce the shadow, and decide after that that they, if they are now... They know their shadow, and and there's a, what's truly in their shadow. Then is the ambition to be free of what's hurting them, and they, and that's mixed in with the assumption I've done my work, I'm finished, and then they may be bitten by the uh, how can I put the virus of uh, I have arrived, I'm here, I'm, I'm I don't have to work on myself anymore, because real shadow work is inherently humbling. I don't care how mature we are, what age we are, if you're doing it deeply. You're going to be humbled, not humiliated, which is comes from un, shame that's not been handled skillfully, but humbled. And we, that happens, we're opened in beautiful ways. We still have our dignity, we still have our power, we have our strength, but we're not busy trying to be someone special. We're no longer holding ourselves above others, and we're recognizing, in a sense, say, the captain of the ship is no more special than the lowest deckhand. We're all in this together. There's that sense we're all in this together, and it's not just an intellectual realization or cliche. It actually goes right to the core of our being. So we lived in this really, really fast-paced world. Even in our stay-at-home orders, I imagine people are on their phones or trying to figure out ways to stay busy. And there is a need for presence, and yet there is as much a distance or avoidance of presence as there is an avoidance of the shadow. How do we become more present? By recognizing how we're not present and doing something about it. Like we just can begin with just having a vow. If I'm hurting, in pain, uncomfortable, I will turn toward it. Just a tiny bit at a time. I will turn in the direction of that rather than trying to get away from it. So if I'm feeling some fear because of the uh, uh, COVID pandemic, I'm not going to just try and get away from it or try and outthink it in some way or what I'm reading or hearing. I'm going to explore my fear more deeply. I'm going to sit with this and I'm going to become more present with what's going on with me. If I'm bored, I'm not going to look for something to do other than sit with my boredom and get to know it really well. In other words, I'm not going to be busy trying to get away from anything. I'm going to take this time of isolation, shift, etc., and use it well, make wise use of it. As we're delving into the shadow work and we are holding space for ourselves and and we also want to do work in the world, what's what's the method 
or the distinction between knowing when to focus fully just on our own work and when to go out and become an activist for what we view as the shadow in the outer world. I think both need to work together, like as an organic collaboration. Like if you're just trying to be an activist and you don't know yourself very well, it's going to be counterproductive. If you simply stay at home um, and just are with your own process and you don't translate that into action outwardly with others, etc., um, something's missing. I think here's, here's, where, here's where human being and human doing come together. And we show up. We show up. And we show up knowing ourselves more and more deeply. And also being more aware of our the impact we have in our world. So our activism is not stained or polluted by unresolved shadow um, issues. It's made more powerful because we know where we're coming from. That's so crucial to not... Otherwise, if we don't, we're like in a relationship where we're, we think we're the expert and we don't have to look at ourselves at all. The other person has all the problems, which is very common. We cut through that. I think there is a sacred activism that comes straight from the heart. And it can be on a very small scale or a big scale, but the fact is it's there. You're taking action. And it could be over something very small. It doesn't gather headlines anywhere. But you know in your heart of hearts you're on the right track. You're doing something that's good for you. You're bringing your gifts forward in a way that serves others. Turning toward our pain means facing and unresistingly feeling its raw reality. Along with taking an eyes-open look at the actual pain we're in, we need to consider how this pain is connected to or expressive of the wounding we experienced in our early years. If not aware of how this past hurt may be affecting us today and of how many of our current behaviors are attempts to avoid feeling such hurt, then we're tethering to our past, unable to feel fully present and whole now. Turning toward our pain means bringing into our heart what we have rejected in ourselves, what we've ostracized, disowned, neglected, bypassed, shunned, excommunicated, or otherwise deemed as unworthy, namely, all that we've kept in our shadow. This is from Dr. Robert Augustus Masters' book, Bringing Bringing Your Shadow Out of the Dark, Breaking Free from the Hidden Forces That Drive You. It's been a beautiful and powerful show, diving into just a small percentage of all of the richness that's in this book. Uh, So I definitely invite you to go fill your library, not only with Bringing Your Shadow Out of the Dark, but also some of his other books, such as Transformation Through Intimacy, Emotional Intimacy, Spiritual Bypassing, and To Be a Man. We'll have Robert Masters back on next week, and we're going to dive into the book To Be a Man and focus on A Guide to True Masculine Power. Until next week, thank you, Dr. Masters, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. In love, of love, with love, and as love. I am Simran. Be well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality, your heart to greater compassion, and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey.